Hi, this is Heidi, and this is Parent Town, a podcast where we explore stories of parenting in hopes that they can connect us and maybe make the world a little easier to understand. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Parent Town. This is Heidi. If you're a new listener, I want to welcome you and explain that Parent Town was created with one idea in mind. That's the power of story and sharing those stories with each other in the hope that we feel less alone and also gets us thinking, questioning, engaging with one another. You don't have to be currently raising humans to listen to us. We've all been parented one way or another, and I think there's something in our podcast for everyone to take away. This is a really special podcast to me. We're dedicating it to domestic violence, and I have the complete honor to interview one of my favorite people on this planet, Comfort Dondo. Comfort is the founder and executive director of the organization Pumalani, which is located here in Minnesota. I encourage you to take a moment and give yourself the gift of listening to Comfort's wisdom. I am always learning from her. I know you will too. Here is her story. My name is Comfort Dondo, and I am the founding uh, executive director of Pumalani, Minnesota African Women Against Violence. It is a culturally specific nonprofit organization based in Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minnesota. And we work with African-born women fleeing domestic and sexual violence. Tell me, Comfort, when you decided to start this organization, what were we missing? What were the gaps in regards to Minnesota being able to help immigrant families and our immigrant women? So Pumalani was uh, started out of my own personal experiences with domestic violence. One of the things that I observed um, as I was in my process of fleeing my abuser was the lack of culturally specific uh, programming in our shelters here in Minnesota. Uh, It was also the lack of culturally specific um, advocates or leadership within that same space. So um, as I navigated that system, I realized um, I had to fill in that gap mm-hmm. and decided to uh, start Pumilani, which was um, incorporated in 2017. It's been quite a journey, continues to be one, you know, mm-hmm. one that I'm, we're all learning together mm-hmm. and um, we're trying to just um, make sure the gaps are filled for right. the women. Yes. Tell me more about the history of the, the organization and, and exactly what it can offer somebody who, who's seeking help. Absolutely. So, so like I said, the history of the organization is um, I am the founding executive director. I'm also a survivor. Um, it, it is culturally specific in that we recognize the history of um, uh, racism, colonialism, uh, xenophobia, and the other isms around why our service provision is catered uh, for just one main dominant race over the others. And that's our, that is our foundation. We work specifically to make sure that when a woman walks into a shelter, she knows that she has a place she can call uh, for support from women who look like her, speak her language, uh, who understand her um, her culture completely. Um, our capacity right now is still very small. As you know, we're fairly new. Mm-hmm. We're under, um, under, under four years old. Um, but we work collaboratively with, with a lot of other nonprofit organizations. For example, we are um, a part of the Minnesota Coalition Against Sexual Assault. We're a member. Uh, we also work with a lot of uh, the domestic violence shelters, 
are around the state. And sometimes when they do have a woman from African diaspora, from the African immigrant community, they always reach out to us because there are some things that African-born women need mm-hmm. that is not very obvious to the mainstream. Mm. And so that is where we come in with our advocates and we try to hold the woman's hand and offer her the support that she needs. Uh, and that's the work that we've been doing. As far as in the community, um, I'd like to say with the African immigrant community, the topic of domestic violence is one that is very silent. We have not been talking about this topic and we really realize that even before we start to expand our program or open a shelter, which is in which is in our future, we wanted to start a conversation mm-hmm. because I believe that you cannot confront what you cannot name. Mm. And domestic violence is happening in our community. Sexual violence is rampant in our community, including things like female genital mutilation mm-hmm. or cutting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people don't talk about it mm-hmm. because it's a culture of silence. And so starting this June, uh, with the support of the Bush uh, Foundation, we've been doing healing tea circles where African-born women just gather mm. around tea or coffee and they talk about their experiences. Uh, and these are just very casual conversations. And I think that is the starting place for us. We, we hope we use storytelling to dismantle the shame around violence. Mm-hmm. And before we have those conversations, we cannot start to talk about dismantling or um, eliminating violence against women in our community. Because like I said, it's very, very silent. I think it's mostly cultural. Mm-hmm. Yes. You and I were chatting about this before we started recording in light of a, an article, just an editorial that I that I read in regards to asking the wrong questions around domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And you had such good, amazing insight. And, you know, we always ask like, well, why didn't she flee? Why didn't she tell somebody? Why didn't she fill in the blank, whatever shaming language you choose to use? Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, why does he hit? Yes. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Absolutely. That, that was a really, really um, insightful conversation we had earlier on, Heidi. Uh, and as I'm thinking, as I'm thinking about the question you just posed, this morning we were supposed to be at the state capitol uh, for a rally, but we've postponed it. Mm. Uh, it was the trial for an Ethiopian woman who killed her husband because he was uh, sexually abusing her um, and she was isolated. And now there's a trial to try to... Uh, make sure she has served her time. Make sure she doesn't she doesn't get deported back to Ethiopia, where she might face uh, an honorable killing from the family because that is legal in Ethiopia. So to answer to come back to your question, I really think, um, as I mentioned earlier on, there's been some form of insanity going on uh, around the domestic violence movement, which is we've been doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. That is, we isolate women. Um, and we talk about domestic violence issues, we talk about feminism, we talk about women empowerment, but we're excluding the perpetrators who are disproportionately male at the table. And in our community, in the work that we're doing that is culturally specific, we believe in including men. And I've been getting a lot of pushback around hmm. that. And I really think it's important because how will they know? How will we keep them accountable with love if we don't include them in the in the conversation? So I think to your point, I think we've been having the wrong conversation. Uh, I like to look at domestic violence like a withering tree. We've been focusing on the why the roots are withered, but not looking at the root. Mm. Uh, the root is let's include the perpetrators. Let's talk to the men. Why are they hitting? Mm-hmm. Versus why are the women being hit? You know, mm-hmm. we're asking the wrong question. And, I, and I'm really looking forward in Minnesota. That um, I know Minnesota is a very progressive space. And I hope we can start including and engaging more men mm-hmm. to change the narrative around 
men being held accountable and not just um, making it a burden of the women to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell me about the work here in Minnesota. I just know that you had the better statistics in regards to our African immigrants, the population wise, mm-hmm. and what you see in regards to just like that specific population. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Minnesota has been so uh, privileged, as I mentioned, the progressive uh, nature of Minnesota. We've been so privileged. I think we're disproportionately, obviously, white. Mm -hmm. But here in Minnesota, we house the largest Liberian community outside of Monrovia in Brooklyn Park. We have the largest Somali community Mm -hmm. outside of Mogadishu in uh, mostly the South Minneapolis area. So we have a really large African uh, immigrant uh, community. Having said so, however, we do not have data around domestic violence. Most of the data um, is mainstream or it usually ends up lumping women of color. It doesn't really capture the African-born women. Uh, And right now I am a doctoral candidate and uh, the domestic violence in my community is my topic of interest. And I've been really having a hard time finding literature uh, that is pertaining to African-born women. Hmm. It doesn't mean that it's not happening. But again, they say what numbers, you know, say the story. Mm -hmm. Um, So if it's not, the numbers are not there, it looks on paper like it's not happening, but actually it happens disproportionately in large amounts. It's just not recorded uh, because of the cultural piece that I mentioned earlier on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because of, and you had mentioned this too, that there is this level of of shame around this topic. And so how do women find you? So we are based in St. Paul. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's where our office is. Uh, we're also on social media. Okay. Uh, we just recently joined Instagram, which we're trying to figure out. Sure. <laughs> but uh, we are on, <laughs> on Facebook. Um, you can look me up on Facebook. My name is Comfort, just like it sounds Comfort. Last name is Dondo, which is D-O-N-D-O. Uh, I'm pretty accessible. We also have mobile, mobile ad advocacy. We right. try to meet people in their own community. So we're very reachable that way. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. We've been using social media um, to reach out. Um, to reach out to, you know, women reach out to us through social media. But um, our phone number is 612-251-9421. And we'll put all the information up on our Facebook and our website as well. So people can look at that. I know this is a big question and it's hard to answer. If you feel like somebody in your life is, this is happening to them, or I suspect my instincts are... Up. Are you able to talk to people about that? Like if I were to call you and say, Comfort, I feel like this is happening to this woman. I guess I've just seen you in action and I know how incredible it is. But if you get a call from somebody who's like, I know somebody in my life, I feel like this is happening. What's that conversation look like? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's been, it's, it's really difficult, but I, I'm very hopeful. Um, and I really believe in the, in the, in the power of story sharing. Mm-hmm. We've been seeing it happening with the healing circles that we've been doing. And I'm hoping that into 2020 with the, with the continued support of our funders and our well wishers, I hope we can continue, um, with having, creating a brave spaces for African born women to be okay to share their stories. Mm. I have taken on the role of being a sacrificial lamp. I use that loosely, but I share my story because in sharing my personal story, I realized that it has given me some liberation of, I control how the story is told. Mm -hmm. And then I also um, give the women permission to share their story with me. So, so um, yeah, so if, if, if someone usually, if someone reaches out to us, um, we've had those anonymous calls from the community. I normally like to go and meet the people as our culture permits. It's you go to someone's home, you drink tea with them 
and you get to know what's really going on. But I always lead with sharing my story. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that they have to feel obligated to share their story. Mm-hmm. But normally, I would say eight out of ten times, women come back and they share their story. And I think when we have that connection, mm-hmm. that authenticity of really being vulnerable with each other, that's where the healing really starts. Absolutely. Um, and most of the women who um, have ended up dead in our community is because um, people need to understand that um, abuse is a very complex animal uh, and one of its horns is isolation. Mm. The people who are abusers, they really work hard at making sure you're isolated. Mm-hmm. And they really work hard to making sure that you really think that you've lost your mind. Mm. And you actually believe it. And so sharing your story with other women, you're blaming yourself. And so um, any women listening to the sound of my voice right now, or if you have a friend, whether or not you're from the African diaspora, you know, feel free to reach out. Um, I would say the remedy to this issue is talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and just we have to start having those meaningful conversations. That's the magic I'm trying to, I'm trying to see in the circles and the trust building, mm-hmm. uh, the sisterhood around it. And I think there's, there's just um, some of the comments I've heard is this circle has given me permission hmm. to just share my stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm not sure, Heidi, in, in, well, I've been, I've been in Minnesota, I know the Minnesotan culture, but I'll say I don't know the American culture around sharing your personal stuff. With the Africans, it's really, we have a saying, you know, don't wash your dirty laundry in public. Hmm. You know, so, so people really, really value family. Uh, and when you are uh, talking about domestic abuse, you're not talking about just your abuser. You're talking about the whole community. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about when you're getting married back home, uh, the, the marriage itself is not just a few hour long process. It's a month long process, which includes two families and extended families. And so you can imagine how difficult it is for a woman to come up open and say, your son is abusing me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of nuances that people are not aware of, but um, mm-hmm. they're coming out in the circles. Mm-hmm. And we're saying, okay, that happened. It was a month long marriage ceremony. But you cannot be a good mom if you're hurting, if mm-hmm. he's hurting you. Mm-hmm. So so we, we are trying to also invite the whole community, including our elders, our mm-hmm. imams, our pastors, along with us to hold the women in a space where they can feel safe to bring up any abuse that's happening. Yeah, so it's really deep. It's really deep and it's really complex and it's very messy. But I really believe um, one woman at a time, one story at a time, I think we're going to end up having a, a strong network of sisterhood yes. where women feel safe to share. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This work is amazing. And people can find more about what Comfort is doing on um, the Facebook site. There's a great video of her talking as well in regards to what they're doing and events that they have and what you can do to help. I feel like there's always something that people can do. I just really appreciate your work. This is definitely an area that I don't think a lot of people know about. And that's why I wanted to bring it to light because I know this because we're friends, but I don't necessarily know if like an average Minnesotan knows about this community, but also knows what's actually happening within the community and that it can be eye-opening, but also maybe step back and uh, realize and look around you mm-hmm. um, at your own community. Mm-hmm. I think um, the point you said is really, really critical. Uh, as Minnesotans, as one, um, this is not an African immigrant issue. No. Because we're all connected. 
A week ago, I was in Cape Town, South Africa, and we talk a lot about Ubuntu. Ubuntu is a South African phenomenon that talks about we all do well when we all do well. Mm. So as Minnesotans, I really would like you to extend yourself, expand yourself, and know more about your neighbor. Um, because if this issue is happening in our community as African immigrants, it is likely going to also spill over to the communities that you live. Because I've heard mm -hmm. some people saying, that doesn't happen here. It doesn't <laughs> happen, not in my backyard, right? But our children are inter they're intermingling. Our mm -hmm. children uh, meet each other at school. Uh, eventually, our children will be dating. So you can imagine if a child is coming from a home that is not as healthy. We need that home to be healthy because you don't know who's going to interface with your child. Mm -hmm. So we are connected. And mm -hmm. so I really would like to... Uh, encourage all Minnesotans. We can all take part. We can all support. Uh, this is not just the other issue. No. It's all our issue. It so, is. Yeah. Thank you, Comfort. Yes, absolutely. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Parent Town. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and share us with your community. We really appreciate it. You can also subscribe, listen, and comment to Parent Town where you listen to all your podcasts. Giving us a rating on iTunes really helps us get to the top of the podcast list, and it really makes it a lot easier for people to find us. If you have an idea for a show, we would love to hear from you. Thank you to Greg Ward at Studio Arcade and to Park States for our theme music. Thank you for listening. I'm Heidi, and this is Parent Town. <laughs>